this is Grain to Plate, a podcast that explores everything food from the first grain to the final plate. Episode 8, and then you grow your own, part 2. This is part 2 of 3 of my coverage of the Las Vegas Grow Your Own Festival. If you have not listened to part 1, I suggest you go back and listen to episode 7. In this episode, I'm going to share three interviews with the farmers and growers that took part in the Las Vegas Grow Your Own Festival. I spoke with the group who owned and managed the farm that the festival was hosted at, as well as an organization that can come to your home and show you the benefits of urban farming. And last but not least, Bernie of It'll Grow, a very simple yet comprehensive organization that gives people in the Las Vegas Valley the tools to grow their own produce in a very natural an organic way. So I'm going to start with the farm that hosted the festival. My name's Amber Bowman. Devon Simeon with us. Amber Flowers. <laughs> um, I work for Vegas Roots Community Garden, which is actually the, the garden that we're at right now that's hosting this event. Um, we have five acres of land and I pretty much just work with um, my friend here, Delvante Mayweathers, and our other friend, Kenny Lopez, and he and I, we just go around and pretty much make sure that everything is running smoothly. We do a lot of the gardening here. We do a lot of the building here. We do a, pretty much everything here is done ourselves because we're nonprofit. And so everything you see here was just built from the ground up. So now, go, I guess, because I'm looking at the signs behind me. Mm -hmm. So basically say that I want to come in. So I can basically have a plot where items that I request are grown and then are picked, or is it really just dependent on what you're capable of doing? Um, it's not even dependent on what we're capable of doing, it's dependent on what you're capable of doing. Whatever we have here, as soon as you rent that plot, is become it becomes available to you. All of our seeds, all of our soil, all of our water, everything becomes available to you. We pick the weeds out of it ourselves, and we keep it on a watering system, on a drip system, so you don't have to come in every day and water and things like that. But when it comes to growing plots, um, it honestly really depends on the season and what you're trying to grow. Because there's only so much, obviously, you can do with plants. Like, if you're trying to grow tomatoes in the middle of winter, it's not going to work. Okay, so if I come in with requests, you can guide me to... I can. Say, okay. Like, so say I come in right now, and I say, okay, I want at least two leafy greens and mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a good fall vegetable. What would you refer me to? I would say leafy greens work really well in our fall-winter system here in Vegas because we don't have a frost. A lot of places do have a frost. Because we're a desert, we don't get that. <laughs> so we can pretty much grow year-round here. So any sort of leafy green you want, let's say you wanted mustards, you wanted collards, you wanted Swiss chard, you wanted any sort of lettuce, you wanted something like that, we could grow that. So you can pick out of anything that we have there. And we do have all of those things that I just named. And as far as vegetables go, for any sort of fall thing, it's, it's a, there's a lot of squash and there's a lot of pumpkins and things like that. I would direct you towards that because they grow really well in this time of year really, really well, and they grow really, really big and really voluptuously great. So now, then, how long has the farm been here? Six years. We have been here since 2010. 
We get mostly um, family-oriented type things, like uh, parents will come in with their kids and, and do plots like that. We have a lot of different plots from a lot of different companies, such as MGM and CSN and things like that. We, we have a lot of students come in. We have people from doing community service come in. It is a very diverse group of people that we have come in here every day. Like, it's not just really one specific person more than another because we are very oriented in just having everyone here. Now what you'll notice is a common theme that sustainable farming is not impossible in the Las Vegas Valley, even when that farming takes place in urban areas. So I'm Jennifer Gammons Mujica, and I work for Garden Farms of Nevada. Of everything, like you can basically, we encourage people to grow their own food wherever they are. Well, what's nice is you can grow food year-round here in Las Vegas. So uh, if you want something to feed a family of four, it's going to have to be a pretty good-sized garden. So you're going to have to allocate a lot of land uh, to be able to do that. Uh, just in most urban farming setting, settings, uh, we definitely can put some food on the table and some supplementary things. But if you wanted to feed a family of four, for most urban settings, you'd probably have to turn the entire backyard into a very productive garden. However, uh, we are averaging about 20 pounds of produce uh, per square foot per year. And that's growing all year round, so about 20 pounds per year. So um, if you did have a, a good-sized backyard and it was all a garden, you wouldn't be going to the grocery store very much. You know, what would you like to be grown in the garden? And then I asked what their kids' favorite vegetables are. But you don't want to just give them their favorites. You want to try new things, too. And then, we, then I, I would plant those. So, like, I have a client, and she said, my son's coming home from college for Thanksgiving, and I want tons of kale. So he eats lots of kale. So we planted almost half of her garden with just varieties of kale for her son. So I always say if you can at least, you know, be growing half of what you would normally buy at the grocery store, then you're totally saving money. I don't buy any lettuces from like November to April at the store. I, I grow all my kale, I grow all my lettuces, I grow all my herbs. I haven't bought basil at the store or rosemary or thyme or oregano in years from the, from the grocery store. So it's kind of like cumulative. I think you save money over the years. So during this interview, I had to play a little bit of devil's advocate and ask if the science behind GMOs showed that it could increase yield in urban farming while helping it become even more sustainable. Yeah, I think, uh, I absolutely think that nature works best and the cycles of nature work best. And if you grow a garden with the right uh, soil, the right nutrients, the right water supply and adjusted in the right microclimate, uh, then you're gonna have good yields. Uh, I also think that um, a diverse garden is healthier than a monocrop system, which is what GMOs have been produced for. Uh, they want one type of crop that covers acres and acres and acres and acres, and it, for that type of crop uh, to be resistant to one thing that could attack it and cause all that to spread. Well, that is not natural. That is not how nature works. So if you have a healthy garden that is very diverse and adjusted correctly for soil, water, and microclimate, uh, then you're going to have good yields. So I would actually like to compete against something like that and see how it goes. Uh, the other thing, uh, being a part of this as a business, I think for us to try to offer that would, would literally discredit it. 
discredit us and I don't think that people uh, would be interested in that. In fact, a lot of the reason why people want a garden, one of the reasons is because they want to have more control over their food and what they are doing. So I don't think it would be very helpful. Yeah. I, do you mind if I mention a point on that too from the health standpoint? Um, I've studied and I've done a lot of research on GMOs. People will say, and I know the government just voted that they're safe, but from the medical research I've read, that a lot of the conditions we're facing today are because all of these new crops, these things that we have not eaten ever in our lives. Humanity has not eaten these types of seeds and these types of crops in all creation. We're introducing something brand new, and that's where a lot of the digestive problems and the, like a lot of chronic illnesses can be tied back to these new, this just, you know, they think it's just a new seed they made in the lab, but we've been, we've evolved to, to process certain wheats. We've been evolved, we've been eating them for thousands of years. So all this new stuff, our bodies really aren't used to it. Now I have to say, Bernie is one of the most colorful farmers I've come across. We spoke quite a bit, and you will be hearing more from him as we spoke on subjects that I'm going to cover in my series on Rachel Carson. But for this episode, we focused on GMOs, natural farming, and a product that he makes that lets farmers here, both urban and large-scale, grow produce in a very sustainable manner. What I've got here, my, my antique scale here. Anyway, okay, we're pretty close to zero. All right. Notice the way this is. This is dry. This is mulch. Okay. Same same amount. Only this has had moisture added to it over time. Okay. Anyway, this is this is dry. That dry mulch on the. Okay, we're looking at a pound and a half, roughly. Okay. Same material. Wow. Uh, two and a quarter pounds. So we had a pound and a half. Two. We got three quarters. That little bit of material is holding three quarters of a pound of water. Wow. It's holding that much water. That's a lot. Now, it's not soaking wet, but you're down the bottom, maybe it is a little bit, but still, I mean, you can feel the, you can feel the moisture in it. Yeah, but that'll stay there, wet, rather when you're irrigating and you've got sandy material and real lightweight soil, it's going to go straight on down. Well, anyway, this is going to hold on to it. Plus, we add volcanic to it. See, the volcanic is very porous. This holds moisture also. Between the two, we can, we can have a 30% water savings. That means something in the desert. Anyway, this, this isn't the real conclusive, but I mean, it just gives you an idea what, yeah. that's the difference. So when's the last time you added water to this one versus... Um, about a week. So this, the one that's more moist, has been holding water for a week, yeah. and while that's already yeah. back... Now, it won't hold it, but now if you've got plants growing, it might be like three days, because the plants are going to pull the water up. Then again, then again, when you get healthy plants, they get a big root system. Those roots also hold the moisture. It don't, they don't, they suck it up, but they don't use it right away, so it's there. So it, you know, it's in the soil, but it don't get away. It don't go past the soil and down into the subsoil. This is old agriculture stuff that I learned from my dad. I mean, I'm not college educated. I had, you know, my dad, his grandpa, his his father, his father, four or five of them back, they were all farmers. <laughs> he said my great grandfather could graft a peach limb onto a fence post and it would grow. When I was on the farm with him, this was back in the late 50s, early 60s, and anyway, he talked me out of farming. 
get on, you know, go learn a trade, go to college, get out of here, farmer no pay anyway. I, okay, okay, anyway. He got me off the farm, but he didn't get the dirt out of my blood. I'm still, I'm, I'm still a farmer at heart. Anyway, I started, when we came out here in the 70s, I experienced, um, gee whiz, there's no such thing as soil out here in the desert, which is it's obvious, but a lot of people don't understand that. So I started playing around with this, making soil mixes, and it got popular. And I stayed along the lines of just keeping it natural, and now everybody is really looking organic and, you know, what are we eating? And this is what I'm interested in now, because people are, this movement, I just saw happen over the past maybe 10 years. I'm 76 years old. Anyway, I'm still learning. But I've seen, I can go back and I can see where things progress so gradually. And I'm seeing that now people are saying, what are we eating? And this GMO stuff and all this has come along and it's like, we're, we're like, some of this stuff is like, I don't know if the word is right, but I hear the word franken food. Is there such a thing? But this is scary. And you got guys like, outfits like Monsanto and these big, they're messing around with things and it's it's scary and I'm, I'll stay away from the GMO stuff. End of story. It's scary out there. So maybe it's a pretty good idea to get a little garden in the backyard and go back to what they were doing back here. These, believe it or not, when uh, they had the Victory Garden program going on through World War II, 40% of the vegetables, 40% of the vegetables were grown in these home gardens across the United States. 40%. And it helped feed the troops. That was our war effort. We're doing our part. So. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, what I'm doing, my, but, because right now, I'm putting emphasis on grow your own, like everybody is here. And it's like, what I'm trying to do is, is bring 1940, 1941 slash 1945 up to 2016. These, I had another poster that's not here. It shows a, a little guy in the garden with his mom and dad, and it was the war years. Anyway, off to the side, I had, it had the, the years of the war, 1941, 1945, 46. Anyway, and down below, I had 2016. I wanted to bring it up to the present. You know, we, we were doing it then. Nothing, we can still do it. That's not rocket science. And the kids love it. Look at these little kids. They're always playing in the dirt. We'll give them a couple seeds and let them get to work. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> now, as you heard, and as I mentioned before, common theme is that farming in the Las Vegas Valley is surprisingly sustainable. And even more so when you factor in that most of the produce that we consume in Las Vegas comes from California and other states. So to find a way to increase produce production in a sustainable manner here in Las Vegas, in my opinion, is a very important discussion. Something that I hope continues and grows momentum in the years to come. Yes, it's a desert out there, but with the help, but with the help of the farmers and growers that I spoke with, there may be just a little bit of green on the horizon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Grain to Plate. In the next episode, part three of And Then You Grow Your Own, I'm going to talk to the people, the people that attended the festival to make a change, the ones whose organization looked to use urban farming as a way of therapy and a politician whose platform on urban farming goes well beyond the soil and whose message is that urban farming can create social change. This episode was produced by myself, Jonathan Tatum. R.I.P. Charlie Hustle.